0: All right, you're now tuned in to the Follow Through with Clips and Drew, The True Players Podcast, episode 312. It's the end of an era. The hallway series is over. The Clippers blew a 21 point lead. The Lakers were victorious. LeBron went off. To my surprise, the Clippers got a complete rebrand and overhaul of the logo and I finally get my red Clipper jerseys. And there is one last idea on how to fix the NBA All-Star Game. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music.
1: What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know
0: what it is? You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 312. You know, Drew, I was really looking forward to starting the show. I've been planning a couple days. I wanted to start the show talking about this awesome surprise out of left field Clipper rebrand. I had everything ready to go. And then you know what? The basketball god said, nah, Clips, nah, 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 not on this show. We're going to have to have to talk about uh, Clippers-Lakers last night. Yep. And you know it's real convenient, Drew, because you know today's leap day, and I feel like I should just walk down the street here, down to the San Clemente Pier, and leap my ass right <laughs> off the pier into shark-infested waters. I'm 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 going into my desk right now, and I'm slowly pulling out my panic button once again, Drew. Once again, I've got to do this. This that game last night. Drew, I'm heartbroken. I had to go to bed listening to Usher songs. I was so heartbroken from last (laughs) night's song. Okay, Usher had to lullaby my ass to sleep. So, instead of talking rebranding first, we're going to talk about this game and why the Clippers make me want to jump off the San Clemente Pier. I noticed this coming into that first game against OKC, Drew. I remember mentioning to you, I said, you know, a lot of smiles on this bench. We don't look locked in. And you know, we get smacked in Oklahoma City. We barely pull out the, the win against Memphis at home. We get smacked by the Kings the other night. And then last night, going up 21, the game's in our hand. The game is a wrap, dude. I'm already planning the tweets. I'm ready for the texts. And then all of a sudden, something so Clipper-esque happened. And I saw it happening, Drew. And I know I'm being a little dramatic with pulling out, saying I'm pulling out the panic button. But look, I'm going to say something right now. That Clipper Nation is not going to want to hear. And this is what it is. The Clippers aren't ready to win a championship. This isn't a championship team right now. We are not locked in. Everything that I saw in last night's game, everything that I saw, the, the complete collapse, the coaching, the P.J. Tucker fact. I was texting you. You didn't even text me back. But look, it's time to give P.J. Tucker his engraved gold Rolex, and we need to send him packing. Uh, thank you for your service, P.J. Tucker, but we're retiring you back to the bench. I'm over that. And then I'm also over, how in the fourth quarter, how in the fourth quarter is, is Kawhi not even guarding LeBron James? <laughs> Why is Daniel Tice and P.J. Tucker guarding LeBron James? And Tice is just getting baited into the, the, uh, the, the standard Zubok switch, right? The a la Luca in the bubble. A la Donovan Mitchell in the Utah playoffs. We're just they're just getting the switcher Darvin ham must have been watching old footage are like, look, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna get Kawhi off you and we're gonna get Daniel Tice or Zubok. Zubok's not gonna <laughs> play. And then we're just gonna cook. So before we let you give your take on the game, which we're gonna talk it talk about in depth, um I'm not gonna have the excuse of ah oh, we didn't have Paul George we didn't have uh, Zubac. I'm not going to do that. You're up 21. It's inexcusable how that game was finished yesterday. And you know, for being the Iron Man that Zubac has been for us throughout his whole tenure as the as uh, with the Clippers, how is it that he's just under the weather and he's not playing last night? He's just, oh, I'm not feeling good. Got a head cold. And then, should we be concerned about this Paul George knee? Says he's Woj says it's not a big deal, but I think it's a big deal. So. Inexcusable, and I don't like how we're trending right now. If that makes any sense, I'm not pleased with this. And maybe I'm a little dramatic saying we're not ready to win a championship. But to be honest with you, man, we're not. We are not Boston right now. Even Milwaukee's looking better. The Lakers looked locked in last night.
1: So take take for a quarter. We looked. We looked locked in for a quarter. Yeah. I would say you're you're right. You're a little overreactive right now, but that's fine because you were hoping that the Clippers would take that momentum that you built up before All Star break and then hit the ground running right when it started up. And it sputtered. You have sputtered in these last you know few games since the restart after the break. Uh, and I do think a lot of that actually has to revolve around the absence of Paul George. And so that's the that's the thing, right? So so I agree with your statement right now. If Paul George isn't going to be involved, the Clippers are not. Good enough to win a championship. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, you, you you can still have success because Kawhi's is so good, James Harden so good. You still have depth in Coffee and T Man and Powell and all those guys. And so I still think you're one of the deeper teams, if not you know maybe the second deepest team in the NBA behind the Celtics. But you know you're missing a massive piece in Paul George. So I think that may be the overreaction. And and truthfully, maybe that's the. That's the biggest concern. I would assume most Clippers fans have to be the most concerned about the, the actual true status of, of Paul George's knee and whether or not this is a a, a precautionary move. Like, are we are you just trying to do a little bit of load management right now and make sure that he is set? Or if he actually did injure something and now we're on the recovery side, right? Like, I think there needs to be a delineation between one of those two aspects of the injury that's happening to him. Is he injured or is it sore and you're in doing preventive care? Right. Uh, so obviously the Clippers and usually around Kawhi, we're not surprised if there's, you know, a lack of information transpired, but mostly the Clippers don't, you know, they keep all the shit close to the vest, which is well within the right to do so. So we probably won't know more, uh, other than game by game, seeing whether or not Paul George is available and in, in lineup. Um, but I still think the Clippers you know in in the west i mean you're you're in the four seed now, it is what it is uh you were just in the three seed and you flip flop with denver, so that's fine and and it and I still think that that even if Paul George is out for another week or two, that won't absolutely ruin your chances chances to stay in that top four won't ruin your chances at a at a deep playoff run or a finals run this year as long as he's able to go when it counts the most, right even if you fall into the five or six seed. I would still feel pretty optimistic if in fact, you know, Kawhi, Paul George, James Harden are all still healthy going down the final stretch, but getting into this game in particular, I, I just, it was, it was really weird to watch what happened there first. <laughs> the Lakers did not show up for this game, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of done. Like you're saying the third quarter, Norm Powell hits the, it's the buzzer beater at the end of the third ridiculous falling away, like out of bounds. Austin Ree- Reeves is, is, good defense like hand in the face and he drains it to put you up 19 going into the fourth quarter and I myself I was like ah fucking stupid this is so dumb Mm -hmm. we're terrible I you know like this is how it goes right when we're fans when we're this when we care this much it's easy for us to go into these modes right after just one thing that happens but uh what you ran into in that game in particular which should have been another win for the Clippers was the hottest game LeBron has ever had in a Laker jersey that's what happened. In the fourth quarter, he just started making everything he threw up, including all of those step-back threes that he hit, and was at one point, I don't think he missed anything until maybe the last two minutes of the quarter when he finally missed a couple shots. Um, But that's really all it was. And I agree, I think there may have you know, maybe Ty Lue was like, all right, this is cute, but you know, we're going to give Kawhi his rest. We're going to, we don't no. need, we don't have to worry about this. And then all of a sudden you turn around and it's like, Oh, Lakers are tied. <laughs> and that 19 point lead is evaporated. And, and then by that time, you know, the momentum was all on our side. And even still at the end of that game, Kawhi had a very, very good look at it. It's It's almost the exact shot that he hit for Toronto against Philly, the, the the five bouncer that we that we all li- lives in NBA lore now, it was almost the identical jumper that he hit in that shot. He just, it, for whatever reason, the ball didn't come out of his hands right, or, or slipped, or whatever, and he it just didn't get it over the front of the rim. So you even still had a chance to win or tie the game and put into overtime with all that still happening. So uh, I'm not super proud of the Lakers' performance in that game. I'm so impressed with LeBron. <laughs> that oh was, God. I mean, that's that's one for the storybooks right there. I mean, the 39-year-old LeBron drops, whatever, 20 points in the fourth quarter, uh, that was incredible to watch. Can I, Man, tell you I was this, can I tell you
0: the fourth quarter really fast? Go ahead. Let me, let me break down the fourth quarter really fast. fast. Reddish three, LeBron three, Russell free throws, LeBron three, LeBron three, LeBron assists, LeBron two, LeBron three, LeBron two, LeBron three. Davis free throws, LeBron assist, Hachimura 2, LeBron assist, LeBron assist. That is the fourth quarter.
1: Yep, and that was that was the game. I mean, that's all that's, that's essentially how the Lakers stole one. The Lakers really did steal that game, which is again, why I'm not like I'm not like pounding my chest over here being like, you know, oh, fuck you guys. You guys suck. Like we we should have lost that game. And without that unbelievable performance from LeBron, we lose by 12 right there's not, we lose by 12 maybe right could have yeah. easily gone the other way where we lose by 25 30 points um if it wasn't for that super hot start to that fourth from lebron so he came out eight straight points you just illustrated but it, you know um mostly i'm still a little i'm also not super high on my lakers like you know i know you're you're, you're potentially the, the panic button is back on the desk right there's maybe you're not that. pushing it but it's back on the desk I, I'm, I, I've passed that point this. I mean, really for us, it's about, can we, can we ease into this maybe seven or eight seed at potentially as, as the season closes and then we'll try and make another crazy run like we did last year and and see if the matchups line up for us. Uh, but, you know, in this game, outside of LeBron's performance, everyone else played pretty good. Um, Rui. You know, as Rui, Rui had a, an unbelievable dunk in this game. I think it was on team man uh, in the paint. In, in a crowded paint just came out and, and slammed one home but he had a really solid performance he man caught ad caught ad yep. in the beginning there too yes he did mm-hmm. uh anthony davis in the first half was like a no-show and then we finally started to feed him a little bit that was the only thing that was that was nice in the third quarter really was i mean lebron only took one shot in the third quarter right like again it just kind of speaks to how different that fourth quarter was than than the first three um but you know uh it was nice to see Cam Reddish out there. I'll just say that too. I know he's been injured for a little while. So I think he when when we have uh our rotational wings available, all of them. We still don't Vanderbilt again injured with the foot problem still. Who nice knows sweater, how long. Nice sweater though.
0: He had a nice sweater on last night. Lovely
1: sweater. Um it, but he unavailable, but but when we have at least 3 of those guys, Victorian Prince, Hachimura, and and Reddish to rotate through, we're we're clearly a lot better, right? When we have Uh, options and bodies to throw at different matchups and seeing who's hot and who's not in a particular game. And when we're down to just two of those guys, it's like, oh, shit, like we we don't have a whole lot of rotational options here. So Cam Reddish being back is great. Um, And I think he he showed up pretty nicely uh, in this game as well. But really, I'm going to repeat myself. This is the LeBron won this game. And unfortunately for the Clippers, you just ran into a buzzsaw on that night.
0: Yeah, but it's 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 bigger than that for me, man. I mean, this is the last meetup at Crypto between the Clippers yeah. and Lakers. It means something to me, and it should have meant something to the guys as well. And you know who it meant something to was fu- fucking LeBron, right? Yep. And, you know, we can talk about this till we're blue in the face. It's just, and they, they say it every single time. LeBron touches a basketball. He's 39 years old and still able to dominate an NBA basketball game, right? The thing that, again, that I'm concerned about is, is how that was coached the player. Why isn't Russell Westbrook in at the end of the game? I understand the shooting wasn't great. We needed energy. And why isn't Amir coffee in the game? Why is PJ Tucker guarding LeBron? My text to you last night was like, dude, and you know what, to, for, to, for PJ's in PJ's defense, it's like, you know, we're not going to play you for three months. And then it's like, all right, get up. You're going to guard LeBron right now. We need a solid six minutes of you guarding LeBron. And LeBron just cooked. Cooked him. And he cooked Tice. And I thought Tice had a good game. Plumlee had a good game until he had dumbass turnovers at the end. T-Man was great. Coffee was great. But look, championship teams hold leads. And normally we are on the other end of that sword, right? We are the team coming back. We've talked about it many a times. 15s, 20s, 22s and all of that. But Momentum is a real thing, man. You can feel it like in your bones in these baskets, right? like when it, when it was to nine, and I'm seeing LeBron like shaking yeah. his head after he hit a three, I'm like, oh shit, like we've seen this before, you're having flashbacks of Toronto, flashbacks of Indiana flat, you know what I mean? Orlando, yep. you're like, oh shit, this guy's coming back, and um it's just it's one of those losses that like I'm trying to find some positive things in it, and the positive thing to me is this, like, okay, we've gotten our ass kicked three times this was like in, in in the span and plus minnesota the game before the comeback on right, yeah. golden state yeah. right like we're getting smacked by really good basketball teams so either this is sometimes when you get punched in the face you you have a clarity you know what i'm saying and we yeah. just got punched by the hellways series with the lakers Le- lebron just owned us once again and we have, this, we have this makeup game come tomorrow, right? So we have the Wizards, which is tomorrow. Lakers have the Wizards tonight. We're going to catch them on the back-to-back tomorrow. Like, we need to get a victory in here. Like, we need an ass-kicking victory uh, tomorrow, because I just think the thing I'm, about the Clippers, man, and I don't know what it is, but it's like we're coming back from all-star break and we have this cockiness. Oh, shit, we're the hottest, you know, two months in the NBA. We, we're we the hottest team. We're the talk of the town. And we've been known to do that before. And we have this kind of swag to us where it's like, ah, this shit don't really matter. It all matters. Yeah. I mean, even the even the Tyloo rotations last night, like I don't get it. And I'm going back to PJ again. I know PJ only played 11 minutes, but like I hope this is enough for Tyloo to be like, you know what, PJ, we <laughs> gave you your shot, right? We gave you a shot. Well, who do you Gators. want those
1: minutes to go to when you, when you don't have Paul George, uh-huh. right? Like we're talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. who who do you want in those minutes instead of PJ? You want I Kobe want, Brown? You want Diabate? Who do you want in there?
0: Well, it it all look. I want somebody in there that's going to contribute on the offensive end, right? My question to you when I texted you last night was like, "What? tell me what the point of PJ on offense is. Because all he does is run to the corner, and that is it. There's not even screen setting going involved. He had one very good box out on Anthony Davis where he got one of his two rebounds. But yeah. it, but we need to score. We need buckets, all right? So I, while I appreciate it, I, and it, it's not necessarily that that somebody has to come in and play center. I just think that the rotations need to be better where it's a mere coffee in that – in the PJ position, if we want to throw Kobe Brown out there. And again, we're short zoo out and PG is out and the rotations. I'm sure if, if PG or Zub was playing, PJ wouldn't get off the bench, right. but I, it's just one of those things where I don't want to go into the scheme like we did last year, where we're just going to ride with Marcus Morris until he literally just cannot play basketball anymore. Right. These are really important games for us. And I just thought, you know, that, this game would mean a little more to to the guys, and the way we lost the game—if it was a battle all the way down, you know what I'm right. saying—and yeah, I, but it was dumbass turnovers. Um, it was, uh, you know, just really bad, not thought out possessions where championship teams need to be doing that. So, I, I would really like to see. And God, man, you know, I got to hear it from you know 150 different people. <laughs> When this happens. And I'm not even the guy that dishes. I'll dish it out to like two or three of the close homies and talk a little shit. But yeah. man, you, your boy gets the brunt of it. Always. Um, well,
1: you you hit on something that I actually I, I didn't realize until like halfway through the game that it was the last meeting for, you know, the Clippers and Lakers in crypto. And that was nice. That's a nice send off. It, you know, it really like that put a big smile on my face when I found that out. And then we ended up winning the game in the fashion that we did. Ah, uh, because you really have. I mean, the Clippers have owned the Lakers in the last ten years. I mean, it's well documented. Yeah, terrible record against the Clippers. The Lakers do in the last ten years, except for this season. This season, we're 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 pulling it we're pulling it out in a couple of these games, which is great. Uh, and Ty Luz now has a couple losses against the Lakers where he was undefeated for a period <laughs> of time. And so uh, I did. I, I will say I, I was. I, while I didn't love the performance from the Lakers in general, the fourth quarter I was super energized for. It, wow. Right, like when LeBron's hitting those shots and he's throwing them up, you know, there you know they're coming. That's maybe that's the, this part of what you're talking about. You know, you know, he's it. hunting the three. He's yeah. going to do his thing, and and he was just draining them. So I certainly I, I enjoyed the fourth quarter a lot. Uh, and then and then of course to send you guys away, uh, you know, a nice fond farewell. I, that could have been maybe one of the sweeter moments of the season for the Lakers right there.
0: I, after his second three in that fourth, all I kept screaming at the TV, whoever was guarding him, whether it was PJ, if you watched the replay of the fourth and you're like, why is Tice and PJ going back and forth on this guy? But every time I'm screaming at the TV, I'm like, it's a heat check. It's a heat check. It's a heat yep. check. Like, get up. It's a heat check, right? Well,
1: double. Why are they not doubling? I, I mean, know, at this point, bro. especially LeBron was the only one that was shooting, you know, <laughs> any with much success. And all we're doing is we're setting these weak screens just to get the matchup on him. And then he's doing the step back. Just when the, when the weak screen comes, Double, just double. Have both guys. I mean, that's the simplest. That's where you know, like, why isn't Tyloo or somebody on the Clipper bench or even one of the players out there going like, "No, nah, fuck this. We're just gonna we're gonna trap LeBron on the screen, force the ball out of his hands, and we'll live with an Austin Reeves three. We'll live with a D-low three. You know, but- we're gonna just get the ball into somebody else's hands at this point and slow this guy down.
0: I just think, Drew, that at that point after that second three. That either Russell Westbrook or Kawhi Leonard is like, y'all sit your asses down. Like, I got this. If you're not, I will get in his ass, right? Why is Kawhi not stepping up being like, I got him, dude? And I don't think it's because it's brilliant coaching by Darvin Ham to get all those switches. You fight through the switches and you stay on LeBron. And that's one thing. Look, I don't mean to get all nostalgic and shit, but like Patrick Beverly would be that guy. Right, Patrick would be like fuck it. Like I'm going to go take him. I will get in his ass. I will take the foul. If he gets to the line, he gets to the line. I think Russell's like that too. So it's concerning to me why he didn't want to do that and why he wasn't in the position to be guarding LeBron. That's what me as the Clipper fan thinks about. I was like, why or why isn't Ty calling the timeout and been like, "Claw, you're on his ass.
1: This is on you." So Right. Yeah, and, and, and then the adjustment to fight through the screens is that is, most NBA teams have whatever cadence that they do, right? And their defensive, either they're going to do drop coverage, they're going to do a little hedge and then, and then drop, or they're going to switch, right? It's usually one of those three versions of pick and roll defense that we see out of the NBA. And sometimes those can change, you know, given a specific scenario in a game. But most times the defenses stick with whatever their plan is, right? Like, I mean, that's just what you know that's how the coaching is in the NBA it's like all right we're doing drop coverage right like ask the Milwaukee Bucks right <laughs> ask Adrian Griffin how certain players and teams feel about changing defensive tactics it's not great it's not an easy thing to do but in moments like this at least for a quarter you should be able to on the fly make an adjustment and and the the one guy who's hitting all the shots should get more attention so that that that's where it's like some common sense and what, where, the, it seems what, like, where, where was that?
0: <laughs> what do you think is going through Tice's head after the fifth time he's on LeBron on the switch? Like, right. God, I got to do this again? Like, are we serious right now? And this is no 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 shade at Tice. Like, he tried his ass off. But, like, same thing with Zubak. Zubak tried Donovan Mitchell and tried to guard Luka. But some things just aren't going to work. Tice isn't going to lock up LeBron. Yeah. Or change his shot. And, and well, In 6-3, P.J. Tucker
1: is going to get a step-back three <laughs> on his dome every single time. <laughs> this happens. To, you you really could make a case that this happens for at least one guy on every team. And for the Lakers, it tends to be Austin Reeves. Right. Right? Teams target Austin Reeves. Yeah. We leave him out to dry. We leave him hanging out there on an island by himself. And then he gets scored on all the fucking time. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, what are you going to do against Kevin Durant, Austin right. Reeves? That was the game before. It's like KD even he's even pointing going like this is this right. is what the this is the plan because this can't be the plan. You can't get and Austin it tries these... Austin Reeves tries so hard. He gets he, he he really does. He puts himself in good defensive positions. He's just too small, right? right? Like I mean literally the too small uh, hand gesture mm-hmm. applies to Austin Reeves in most cases. So Book gets the best of him bucket all the time and and Austin Reeves iso on an island. KD same thing. So every team I think has this thing where they, they you know, most teams have a guy that's vulnerable and offenses attack it. That's that's how smart the NBA is now. And you go for the matchups, right? You get, the, you get your best player, the ball in his hands. You set enough screens and then you get the desired matchup. But all we're saying, at least all I'm saying is in in-game coaching scenarios, this is where coaches need to make their money. Right. And I know this is a regular season game and we're probably digging too deep into this at the moment. But in the playoffs, a scenario like this—maybe not, you know, Clippers-Lakers, but maybe Clippers against whoever it is, Phoenix, Denver—there's going to be moments like this where you need to make coaching changes on the fly, and that's the most valuable coach to me. I've I've played for a lot of different coaches; very few are really good at in-game adjustments. And I'm not trying to sit here and say that not, you know, that Ty Lue didn't try to make any adjustments or anything like that. But it just whatever whatever coaching he was doing in that moment fell on deaf ears. You know, or or he just didn't make the changes that we all could see that needed to happen there. So this is where, um, you know, Popovich, Spolstra, even Tibbs at times, like, you know, the, the best coaches in the NBA have to make those adjustments fast and on the fly. And I think potentially Ty Lue, certainly Darvin Ham, could be on this list of maybe not the best at doing that.
0: No, definitely not yesterday.
1: I think Tyloo's a better prep guy, though. I do think that's where his strength is. I think as you as you approach playoff series, he does prep well for those kinds of matchups, right? So, like in a seven game series in the playoffs, I do think he preps very, very well, and I think he makes those adjustments prior to moving into the series, and then maybe game after game, you know, maybe game two we try something different, maybe game three we try something different, but it's fourth quarters matter, you know, and that's that's what we're trying to get at.
0: Yeah, they matter, but I also think that you know Tyloo's not playing in the game. When 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 you when the twenty one point lead gets down to ten, the players need to step up and be like, "All right, we need to switch something up. I we need to make our own adjustments. We need to figure this stuff out." And I didn't see it from my guys yesterday. And you know, I I, I think it's it's great that we have Washington coming up tomorrow. Who are just yeah, can't that- lose that one. Can't lose but that one. Cannot, right? Because we almost lost that one in Memphis or <laughs> at home against Memphis. Yeah, right. that, that's where the, the wheels started turning for me. I'm like, dude, I've, I've, I've seen this. I've seen this before. Right. And we just got to nip it in the bud really quick. And that's why, again, I don't mean to be bashing on PJ Tucker at all. We we needed bodies to play last night. He was available to play. That's fine. But look, it's run its course. We need You'll to probably get
1: some more minutes against Washington.
0: I'll tell most, you that much. Most likely. <laughs> most likely. And then, you know, you brought it up in the beginning of the segment. Like, we don't know. Obviously, we don't know what Kawhi is thinking and whatnot. And Ty keeps everything close to the chest with like injuries and Zubak. The Zubak yeah. thing threw me off because I'm like, he's under the weather and doesn't want to play. This guy's the Iron Man; like he played every freaking game for us. These are really important. We're still trying to get his his legs back under him from his you know calf injury and what he had. And I, so I don't know if you're trying to get more rest. We can't play this game again. It didn't work. Like it didn't work last season. It's been working all season with guys playing and practicing and doing all the shit that we need to be doing. So hopefully this is a this is a thing where, you know, these guys were 5 and 5 in the last 10 after being, you know, extremely hot. And and this happens at NBA teams too, right? Everybody yeah. goes through ebbs and flows. You got through peaks and valleys and all that shit, I get it. But in order for us to be a championship team and get back into that discussion, because we're not there right now. You cannot be losing these kind of games and blowing 21 point leads. Also, Clippers timing is a little bad. I wanted to get in to the whole rebrand segment because it was something really I was really excited about and I was not expecting it. But now I'm looking at it like, could we have picked a better time to do this? Like maybe <laughs> we picked it over All-Star weekend instead of like randomly on a on a Monday morning just throwing out a, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're completely rebranding the whole franchise," right? So it was a day for for us to be really happy. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the branding. I'm looking at our jerseys next year, finally. I mean, this is something that Clips and Drew, Clips mostly, talking about how we've been dying. Clipper fans have been dying for our red jerseys back, right? And uh, we got them. We got three new jerseys, three new colorways that are going to be debuting next season. Uh, you guys all know my feelings on the Clipper logos of the past, right? Like I, I can be honest right now, Drew, and say, because I, I haven't been able to say this on our show, I have hated every logo that we've had post this one on my hat, the OG logo. I mean, it—it it is like the Clippers front office hired a, an 18-year-old intern from L.A. City College and been like, I need you to design a brand new logo. And then he puts out his first two logos that he created on Canva. And was and the, and then the front office is like, yeah, let's do that one. I've hated all of them. I hated the Mr. Cartoon one, which LA fans really liked. I hated the black jerseys. The only ones that got love from me was from our Drew League, our Drew League shout out, our Los Angeles ones. I loved those ones. Everything else has been trash. And then these three come out. We have an association jersey. We have, which is the white jersey. We have the icon jersey, which is navy and red. And then finally, uh, by the grace of the basketball gods, we have our red statement jersey that Paul George was teasing on his show. And all of them look fire. Okay. I am so pleased with how all these jerseys uh, panned out. Not to mention, I wasn't expecting a complete logo rebrand. Complete. And you know what's crazy, Drew, is that night that we played Sacramento. Okay, I'm watching the pregame, and I see James Harden come in through the tunnel, and he's rocking this sick-ass red uh, clipper hoodie. And I'm like, damn, that is ill. I've even posted it on my page. I'm like, I need that. And then Paul George shows up in this L.A. crew neck. I'm like, damn, I need that. What's going on? And then the next morning, they debut the new logo, which looks like it was done by a complete professional, right, a graphic <laughs> designer who was probably played, paid – $50,000 to do right. And it's brilliant. It has the, the ship on there. It's got our sea. There's meaning behind all of it, right? Uh, on, on the ship, it's got basketball silhouette on the bottom on the hull of the ship. We have mm-hmm. a new Clipper C which is going to be our logo. We have it's written in naval in naval font. The there's a compass on the ship pointing to the N in Los Angeles, pointing north direction going up. All of it means something. And then this is why I hate people, Drew. I know I like this Boomer Clips. I hate going on Facebook. All right, I don't use Facebook. I use Facebook to watch dog videos and to find new eateries for me to go and 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 and, and partake in yeah. fine food. But I am also part, shocking, of a few Clipper groups, and everybody in these Clipper groups are the worst, right? So the 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 thread is: What do y'all think about the jerseys? What are we playing basketball on a cruise ship? And I am like, you know what? I hate I hate idiots. Okay. Did you not learn history in school? Okay. Do you know anything about our, about our heritage and what a fucking clipper is? Okay. Pisses me off. Sorry. I, I, I wanted to get, I wanted to get off of
1: that. So I think it's it's easy for people to to maybe not understand what a clipper is or what the clippers are, just like what the Lakers are. Right. If you don't know the heritage of <laughs> the actual origin of the name. Lakers obviously refer to the Minneapolis, all the lakes the land, land of a thousand lakes, all that shit. So we're the Lakers. The Clippers were initially the Braves, right? In Buffalo, they were the Braves. They moved down to, uh, to San Diego where a lot of ships are for those folks that don't know San Diego, big port back in the day. And the Clipper ships were the fastest ships on the seas. They had big old sails. Uh, they, they would, they were super popular, I guess in, you know, the 1800s and shit, and that is where the name originates from for people out there that maybe thought that it was a barbershop logo, <laughs> or maybe thought it was related to some other version of, I don't know what else a clipper could be. Uh, but for those idiots out there that say this logo is stupid, maybe just do a little bit of research before you come out and say that this super cool looking logo, by the way, which I didn't get to chime in on. I think the logo, the rebrand looks fantastic. Me too. Uh, I, I, the, the logo, it, it just just going off of that, is so cool, super intricate, so many little details that you already pointed out. But it's the first time in the Clippers history that it actually does resemble the thing that you're named after, as far as the ship is go, the actual Clipper ship. So it's super cool to go all the way back to the origin, the original you know version of what the name was initially supposed to be intended to be. I'm curious though, Clips. I didn't mean to, to, to maybe derail, derail this at all, but are we still going to see the condor as your I mascot think, moving I think Chuck, forward?
0: I think Chuck's going to be – actually, no. I think Chuck's going to stay because there's a thing now. In order to be a part of the wall that we've talked about, right, yep. you have to get Chuck marked. That's what they're calling it. Like you have to get <laughs> vetted as a Clipper fan. You have to get your Chuck mark to be able to sit in the wall. That's a like great that. question. I didn't even think about that. Well,
1: because I um, haven't heard much about it. And if there's one complaint that I've had more than the the logo and the rebrand that happened over the years prior to this new one is like, where the fuck did the condor come from? Why is he all different colors and crazy shit? Like that to me has been such a far reach. Like there's a reason the Lakers being the Lakers don't have a mascot. We have the Laker girls. Which is essentially oh, yeah. Hollywood is we're the Hollywood mascot, <laughs> uh, but it's impossible to embody a lake. It would just be like a blue blob walking Could around, be a raindrop, you know? or something like that. A raindrop, yeah. I don't know what it would be. So it makes sense for the Lakers to not have a mascot. And I always thought that was actually kind of the similar way that I viewed the Clippers as well. And for a long time, I feel like you guys didn't have a mascot, right?
0: No, we never had a mascot. Yeah, and and as far as I'm concerned, Chuck, I don't, it, I don't, uh, I don't care about. Chuck. It's for the kids. Chuck. I feel like I feel like it's
1: for the kids, right? right?
0: No, totally. And that's actually a great question, though. I think there's more. I, I mean, look, when you do a complete overhaul rebrand, most of the time, everybody's going to not like it, right? Immediately when I saw this, I'm like, I love it. I love everything about it. It'll look great on a hat. I love our colors, right? With red and white, there's not like I can't wear red every day. You know what I'm saying? I can wear navy and white, navy and red, white and navy. I can wear that every single day, right? I just love, they listen to the fans and I love everything about it, okay? And, uh, you know, this, this whole thing, I think the timing could have been better on showing it to the fans, right? We could have slowly rolled it out and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, it was a huge surprise. But at the end of the day, I keep going back to, this is another fantastic move by Ballmer. Okay, like spending the time, and for everybody that knows, when you complete when you rebrand a company or you know anything, it has to go through levels. It takes years, sometimes months, even to put a dot on an eye somewhere. Like it, you, you don't even know how much time goes into this. I think they perfectly embodied what we're going for. At the end of the day, though. They also revealed what our floor is going to look like, right? This logo is going to be at the center court of our floor. It's going and then we have the nautical longitude latitude of Inglewood, California on the floor, right? Another classy touch to what we're doing in the brand new Intuit Dome. And this is just Balmer separating ourselves from uh from the old, separating ourselves from Sterling and creating our own identity, our our own culture. We're getting out of the shadow of the Lakers. We're starting something that is going to be ours and only ours. And I can appreciate that, man. And I think hopefully... They did a panel with Clipper fans or people that care about where the logo is going and what we're going to be representing in the years to come. And I, I and I hope the Clipper fans are, had input on this because if I was there, I would have told them right away. I love all of this, and this is a brand new going in next year. This is going to be a brand new start for the Clippers, right? Even last night, I I hate Clipper Laker games when it's a Clipper home game, right? If I was the Clippers sitting on that bench last night, I would have been like, man, I can't fucking wait to get out of here. Right, everybody's clear, cheering for the Lakers. It's always been like that. I get it, <laughs> but this is this is to again the greatest thing that ever happened to us was Steve Ballmer, and this is just another thing that he's doing perfectly correct. I love everything about it, and it's really, really. It, it, it took a few minutes or a few days for me to really soak it in. Like, holy shit, we are a brand new team in a brand new arena, and it's real. It's something really exciting, but. Could we have done it like when we won eight in a row or something like that, like something to celebrate? Why do we have to do it coming back from All Star break after we get smacked
1: by OKC right before we get smacked by Sacramento? We could have waited. I also think like off season, right? Is there why? I mean, I understand you want to. There's like a build up to this, but there's already a fucking build up. You're building a goddamn arena, yeah. Like you know there's already buildup. like why not release it in the off season you know as as the season ends like it makes sense a lot of sense then right cuz like what are they going to do like going to try and push jersey sales now for the last well, edition it's... of this shitty logo well you can't covered. even like, get the... you know what's going to happen all this merchandise they might as well light it on fire you can't even get the merchandise like they, they... no 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 i'm saying the current merchandise yeah. that you currently have inventory for why would anyone go out and buy it? i mean unless you, you need a super discount i would imagine that uh-huh. like the, the Kawhi and Paul George jerseys are marked down sixty you percent know right now. You know what's crazy? Uh, you
0: say that because I went and got this hat uh, yeah. last week. I love this hat, right? I'm showing it on our on our page. Like I loved it. I wanted it for a while. It was like fifty five bucks. And then last week, I'm like, shit, this shit's twenty two. Like I'm I'm copping it. I'm copping <laughs> this hat. I got a whole bunch of new stuff. And what am I going to okay. do with all this new Clips gear? I bought all this Clips gear that I was talking about.
1: That's my point and I yeah so anyway I feel like the off season would have been maybe the move but you could maybe maybe salvage some of that uh some of the merchandise from this season but maybe this is the way that they're that they're going to do it they're just going to cut drop it down to like you know 5% above cost and then <laughs> and then just try and get as many of these things out in the public as possible I got to imagine that a lot of kids in uh, third world countries uh you know might be getting some clipper gear uh, that are that are from the old logos you know like you know what they do with the Super Bowl t-shirts every year right like they make up T-shirts for both sides, and then the, loser, the losers usually get sent off to some other remote part of the world. <laughs> and a bunch of kids in Brazil are wearing, you know, uh, San Francisco Super Bowl jerseys. the <laughs> Niners Super Bowl T-shirts that never existed. Uh, but, you know, all jokes aside, I have one question for you. Because mm-hmm. during this whole process, what was revealed, at least from what I understand, is that there was talk about the Clippers actually changing their name entirely. I don't know how much you you've heard about that or or what the other options. I don't know what the other options were up, you know, for uh, for for changing the name. But would you ever want the Clippers to change their name? Nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that.
0: We get way too much heat for doing that, too. I think I think this is pretty like Steve Ballmer paid two billion for the Clippers. He didn't pay two billion for the termites or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like the we we have history. (laughs) What's that? The
1: Condors, the, co- the Condors, <laughs> please, dude. I would be the Commodores. Get Lionel Richie out there. You be the Commodores.
0: I I never wanted that. I never wanted that at all. Um, yeah. I'm sure that there was some talk, but you know, again, why? Why? Like we're starting our own identity. This is something that even if we don't go in there with a championship, it's it's our it's a new home. It's a new start. It's a new beginning. Clipper fans should be super happy. I just again, going back to the jerseys and, in the ships and the nautical flags on the side of the jerseys and the clips on the, on the, 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 band of, of the shorts. Like I just love all of it and I'm really excited. Uh, I thought, I, I thought the, the, the logo was a surprise. I wasn't thinking we were going to do that. I, I didn't know we would, we would do that. That that wasn't even a thought of mine. Mm-hmm. I was just hoping we bring back the throwback the old school, but, um, it's time, you know what I'm saying. It's time. It's a new, a new home, not in the Lakers' shadow anymore. We're gonna start yeah. our new culture, get new fans. I love all of it. It made my whole week. It just would have made if we could have won some games this week, everything would be just super sweet. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but we didn't. So I, hopefully, Clipper Nation. <laughs> I, I, I had a lot of people hit me up about it. You know what I mean? Phone calls, text messages, yeah. DMs about it. I, I posted it first thing in the morning when I saw it at 5:30, and I, I, you know, it was, it was great. And I think real Clipper fans are all on board with it. Look, but going back to the Facebook stuff though, and you were saying there's idiots, like don't be part of a Clipper fan group if you don't know like who you're a fan (laughs) of.
1: Right. (laughs) This is, yeah, that's, that's exactly the point.
0: Yeah, totally. You, You know, and, and to be, and just to be, uh, to be honest, back with the colors really fast. Like you have to have colors that you can wear every day. If there's dope, T shirts and jerseys and shorts and all that shit that are the right colorway, that fit right, that are dope, have a great logo. I would rock it every single day. You cannot rock Charlotte Hornets' teal gear every
1: day. You know, makers are tough. Laker and yellow gold. and
0: purple is really it's tough to wear,
1: right? Tough. Yeah.
0: Even like when you're looking at look, if you if you're looking at different teams, we were just watching Indiana last night. Like their jerseys and colors are horrible. Like you can't mm-hmm. you can't wear you can't wear brown spurs shit all day. They picked three great colors that look great. And uh I couldn't be any happier. I hope Clipper Nation uh is happy. And again, shout out to Steve Ballmer for putting the right team together to make sure that, you know, they answered the script. We wanted cursive. They threw a modern a modern flip on the cursive Los Angeles clippers, the colors where you're doing navy red and white and then white navy red and then red, navy white for the numbers script and all that. Like I just love it. So we could talk all day about it. Uh I, I, I will say this, like uh take my money, basically. Like I, I don't even buy jerseys, but I would buy that shit put that on a t-shirt, take all of my money. I am super stoked on that. You know, fun fact, Drew, other stuff has been going on in the NBA besides Clippers and Lakers. And I want to touch on a couple things uh, before we get out of here. But I want your take on uh, after, I think it was after the New York Knicks game where Monty Williams, uh, the Pistons Knicks game, Monty Williams went crazy about that call, uh, that, that no call at the end of the game. And so it came out the following day that the NBA competition committee has begun reviewing whether the game has, has been too advantageous for offense and what changes are needed for balance. And my thing that I posted on our page was like, how about you let defenders play defense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how about, how about we just let, you know, part that's, that's half of basketball is playing defense. And when you can't play defense anymore, it's obviously going to, going to, Tilt towards the offensive player. There's a reason why we've had four 60 plus point games. We had four 60 plus point games in January, right? There are some glaring issues and things need to be done. And I heard a couple uh that I thought were interesting. Uh one of them was uh making the three-point, the middle three-pointer farther out, uh, stretching the corner three out, the easiest three out uh, farther, and then Making the court two feet longer on the sides or whatever, wider. Making the corner three, yeah, wider. And then they were talking about possibly getting rid of defensive three in the key. And I'm like, that's kind of interesting, but I, I don't necessarily know what the changes are going to be because then, like, we we can't go through another officiating like takeover. Like we've been, these guys have been prepping for all these new rules and whatnot, and then we're just going to switch all the rules once again. Do you have any take on that, or or possibly? Ideas on on what we could do.
1: Yeah, it's a tough. I mean, it's a, it's a tough hole that they've dug themselves into now, right? The easiest way. I mean, I think what most people would say is like the, the easiest fix is allow hand checking again. One hand on the hip is allowed. Maybe that's the simplest way to do it. And you have to change the referee's perspective on that. Uh, I don't think you can eliminate three in the key for the defense because that clogs the shit up. You got you can have guys playing. You have teams playing two three zone. And and Rudy Gobert can just live in the paint. Right. Like that's, you know, then 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 Rudy becomes the highest paid player in the NBA, not Jalen Brown. Right. Right. So uh, I don't think you can get rid of that. I mean, there's a reason that they that they put that in there is Michael Jordan, you know, because Mike needs to attack the rim and people just clog the fucking paint. And you got guys standing in there for seven seconds. And Like, okay, cool, Mike, you come in here. I'm going to elbow you in the face. And you're not going to get to the rim, right? So you, you you can't walk that one back, I don't think. The illegal defense has been something that makes a lot of sense for the game, for the spacing of the game. Um, I actually like the idea, though, if you're not going to change, like, the hand checking and, uh, you know, whatever else that you're going to have maybe in the rule book. I, I really like the idea of uh, widening the court. This is something actually clips that that I have brought up on this podcast uh, a few years back was I... I uh, foresaw the parameters of the court changing over the course of time. I thought, based on how tall and how big these players are, are you know becoming uh, on average, that eventually the rim will also need to be uh, uh, elevated, right? If, if you're gonna have a, if you're gonna have, you know, let, I'm just saying, you know, 20 years from now, more than five Victor Wembanyama's running around, which is which is a, a real possibility. We're going that way. <laughs> we need an 11 foot rim. You need a 10 and foot rim, right? uh i but going back to the suggestion i like the widening of the court uh that the the hardest part about doing that and why that won't happen is seats the arenas are already constructed to a t down to the fucking square inch where the seats can go and and there's no real way to push those seats back unless you re- remove an entire row of the most expensive seats in the in the entire arena and i don't think any organization is going to do that plus you have stadiums like crypto.com over 25, 25 years of Crypto.com, you're not going to fucking reconstruct Crypto.com and have to do that for the, all the other litany of, of, of stadiums out there that won't be able to accommodate the widening of the court just because you know you want to do it.
0: I disagree, um, though. I disagree because I think if you if you could change a court from basketball to hockey, like I think there's
1: ways that they could figure out to move the, well, co- the court. I, I agree that you can definitely logistically do it, but you can't do it without losing seats. And that means losing income. That means losing ticket sales because you're losing at least one row of seats. Right. You still you still have your front row, but that means the second row behind them is gone. And those are the most the second most expensive seats. You follow me? Like that's the hardest part about the expansion of the court and why I think if if it, most of these kinds of changes, if you're going to change the actual parameters, of the court have to go through NBA ownership. So they're going to vote on that. And every NBA owner is going to go. Uh, no, I'm not losing hundred grand of seats for mm. per game. Right. You know, or sometimes more and those seats can be even more than that, especially in the playoffs. So uh, I do think that potentially is, is a fix though. Uh, maybe uh, if you, if you make that corner three longer, um, but truthfully, I mean, these guys are the NBA shooters are on average shooting a substantially higher percent from three on a whole. at, every player in the NBA than ever before they've gotten better at shooting. Um, So it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting thing to see what happens as far as what they can change um, to impact and, and empower defensive side of the ball. But I think maybe the easiest thing to bring back is hand checking.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, it worked. That's what we want to see. You want to be able to touch somebody on defense, right? And I think,
1: and I do think, you know, Mike still averaged thirty fucking Thank five you. a game, right? Thank it's you. not like we, it's not like we're going to be stripped of the greatest players still getting to those awesome numbers and having incredible scoring nights. Elite but scorers we- are going to still score.
0: That's just what's yeah. going to happen, and it'll just look better. But you know, like somebody, please put a hand on on Luca, please. This guy. Is so, and he's still going to get his bu- his buckets, though. He's still going to be able to do all that. And in the midst of all that, it was funny because Dylan Brooks, there was a video that came out of Dylan Brooks, and he recently found a new technique to effectively
1: contest jump shooters. Have I was going to bring this up. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because this is the rule that makes no sense. That's legal. Right.
0: But he found a James Harden loophole. He's like, I'm going to figure this out. Right. And in on jump shots, Dylan Brooks is just smacking the shit out of the, the, the shooters are smacking the hand of the shooter once the ball leaves. So if you make contact with the shooter's hand after the ball release, it's considered legal. And understanding that has enabled Brooks to be way more aggressive on defense.
1: And isn't that that's a crazy rule? Why has that never been addressed? Well, so this—I'm so glad. I was literally going to bring this up, so I'm so glad you did because yes, that video was out there now for people to see. I've noticed it in game, and I've actually had this happen to me a couple times, even in like men's league where you have one of these refs that thinks they're an NBA ref in a men's league. Uh, this is a uh, a complete misunderstanding of how. Like, I would love all of the best shooters to comment on this. JJ Redick, I mean, all the way down the list. See Mike Dun, the, the shooters that shoot basketballs the teach shooting, you do not finish your shot until that wrist snaps all the way through. So preventing that follow through a oh, little plug for us, that follow through motion with your shooting hand, preventing that from happening is a foul. And I will argue that until the fucking death of me. I will never understand why that is allowed on the release of the ball. It, it, it the, the snap of the wrist is how you get the tight rotation. It's how you get the arc on the ball. It's how you get you know, uh, that, that shooters touch when you hit the rim a little bit, uh, but it sticks in there and and it stays in the hoop. It's it's all about that backspin, that rotational backspin that you get when you snap your wrist. It's so important to be able to finish your shot. And somehow that is legal, but you can't put your right hand on the hip of a guy that's driving to the hoop makes no fucking sense.
0: And the way it gets terminated is by people realizing that dylan brooks is the one getting away with it they'll be like you Bingo. know what? nah we're not gonna go nah, dylan we're not gonna let
1: this. but i but here's the thing i actually do i can appreciate that dylan brooks is doing this yes. like i i 100 appreciate it and now that it's out there like in in the, the the general public every every contested shot should do everyone who's playing defense should do this and and maybe clips i mean now that we're talking about like Maybe they keep this. Maybe this is the way that they, now they start training guys to do this to shooters and maybe percentages will drop there. And maybe that's the only thing that happens. Now the cat's out of the bag and all the other defenders are going, oh man, I'm doing this thing where I'm closing out and I'm trying to put my hand in the face of the shooter. That doesn't do jack shit because there's muscle memory there. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to just go for the hand. I'm going to give him a high five. He's not going to be able to finish his shot. And guess what? We're going to have more misses.
0: Yeah it's it's crazy how you can like you can't you can't like be in the landing zone of anybody. Like if your foot's anywhere
1: close, you're getting that the, one. Now. I, I really can't, I can value that one pretty highly. Like I, shooters should be able to land. Momentum, though, when
0: you're playing defense, yes. like when you're,
1: it's just really difficult. It's
0: like, it's like the linebacker that, that has a late hit on the quarterback, bro. You're not stopping a freight train. Just like if you're going to block a shot, you can't change how you land. So totally. that's, that's just, that's advantageous to the offense is making it easier for the offensive
1: people. Well, defensive coaches would say you shouldn't, you should not jump to contest a jump shot anyway. Right. That's the defensive principles that that used to be taught everywhere in the world. I don't know if that's any still being taught out there, but you close out with your feet on the fucking ground. You don't close out jumping in the air. And so I I I thoroughly believe that you have to protect the ankles of the shooters. Yes. Uh, and so you know the Zaza Pachulia of it all, mm. you know, ended that right. That's that's done. And I actually I appreciate that. I I do hate. The embellishment when Luka or James Harden, LeBron, uh, ste- name it. Anyone who does the, oh, shit, you stepped into my space. Devin Booker does this a lot and then just falls down. I hate that. Oh. And that needs to be refereed somehow. But it's really hard to do that.
0: Oh, Harden is the dawn of it, dude. This
1: guy falls more on three-pointers ever. Well, he- kind of, well I mean, for years on this podcast, even, we're like, dude, he just doesn't, he just doesn't land on his feet. He intentionally lands on his ass, right? That is his, that's the, how he finishes every shot is he, yes, his feet hit the ground sort of, but his ass is what hits the ground. And that's what stops him.
0: Is, do you think James Harden's a genius when you think about it? Like we're talking about a Dylan Brooks loophole that he figured out, right? Right that hopefully that more player because look why do you even contest three-point shooter unless you're Wemby you know exactly. what I mean like why do you even contest exactly I think I, I, think I gave the percentage once it's like less than one percent of all three-pointers are blocked right so why even go and most of the time you're getting fouled on the three-pointer and you're just giving up
1: three shots right or you're jumping in that pump fake and, and you're you have no recovery then right now it's now it's five on four because you you have left the game Right. You are, you're in the air, you're in the stands. Right. And now it's a five on four game. So this is why defensive principles should matter. And it's funny, as funny as it is that we're talking about, like, what can we do to change the game? Maybe fucking teach defense at AAU level. Adam Silver, have a fucking phone call with youth basketball Uh and say, let's, let's, let's start focusing on how we actually play defense when we're 12. So that by the time we're 18, we know how to play defense. And then when we're in the NBA at 19 or 25, uh you're not looking like an idiot and just giving up free points to everybody
0: this is what it's come to now drew is we have the the dylan brooks smack the hand after the shot we have the
1: luke remember the luke Cornette, what he does on three shots dude but i i again that's very smart right and, and that's it that's and that tends to work uh, apparently from time to time for some reason like the, the view of the rim he's blocking the view of the rim i like right. that way more because then luke all he has to do is turn around and he's in rebounding position right and he's not giving up you know, the, the the easy lane to the basket with for a dump off or a lob for somebody coming around the side. Uh, quick uh, recall back to your James Harden being a genius comment. Perfect. I think, it, I don't know if I want to call him a genius, but he, he, he just like Dylan Brooks, found the loophole, mm. right? And that's how he existed in the league in, in Houston for all those years, scoring all those points. He just figured it out, right? He goes, okay, cool. I know what fouls to get, how to get them, and I know that it's unstoppable, and if they if if, if um, the defense is going to avoid fouling me, I will just have layups. I will have layups and wide open threes and lobs. Uh, so I I guess that could be you know, considered genius in some circles. But uh, more more importantly, it's exploiting the loopholes. And this is the hardest part about sports and refereeing and officiating and rule making is that there's always going to be one of these loopholes in whatever version of this comes out. Someone's going to figure out oh. I can do this and we're going to have to adjust again, right? So it's just, it's a cat and mouse game, man.
0: Well, if you, if you think about it, the James Harden step back's part of everybody's NBA game now. Like if you're a shooter. And if you don't have a step
1: back in your arsenal as a guard, you're in the G league.
0: But it's not even, it's not even a step back though. It's a different kind of step. It's a James Harden step back,
1: right? That Boy, he created. Two steps. <laughs> it's The, the step double back. step back,
0: <laughs> you know? And then it was interesting. I didn't, I mean, I guess I should have known this, but there was a foul called last night on the Lakers uh, for for James Harden, where it was just a swipe and, and somebody hit his beard. Right. And Jimmy Jim Jackson was saying the beard is part of the face. That's part. That's a foul. And I'm like, damn, OK. And he's and Brian Seaman. The announcer is like, I didn't know that. Like and he's like, yeah, what do you think about like if you have a fro and somebody hits you on the fro, it's a foul. And Brian Seaman's like, well, why can't everybody take out their braids and just play with fros on?
1: Because <laughs> it, we
0: have so many players on our teams with, with, with
1: braids. What, right? a valid, what a valid question from Brian Seaman right there. That was Hachimura. Hachimura brushed the beard That's of James Harden in, on that shot. That's and then Harden
0: does the flip back, but beard is part of the face, which is a foul. And so is a fro. And I'm just like, well, this makes sense.
1: So I mean – let
0: it throw out. PG, SGA's got some
1: long. SGA's got some long braids, bro. That would be a hell of a throw. He could throw out there, man. Man, <laughs> could he throw it out there? or Could he throw it out there? He we would throw know. it out.
0: Uh, so many loopholes. You just got more more loopholes from
1: Clips and Drew. Drew, do you have a final thought for us? I w- so the the Dylan Brooks thing was going to be my final. <laughs> that was it. Okay. I, I, I was I was really heated about it, Clips, when I saw this because this has happened to me in game. As I said. It it is the most frustrating part of being a shooter, which is what essentially my game revolved around offensively. I was a three-point <laughs> shooter. So a lot of the times this would happen and I would be pleading with refs. I'm like, I understand that maybe the rule book doesn't say this. We got to change the rule book because that's yes. it's not fair. It's not fair. This isn't football where you can stop a quarterback's arm so you can prevent a pass, right? You're stopping the motion of the shot mm-hmm. should be a foul. That was my final thought. So I don't have anything else to give. Well, you know what that
0: this this should be an easy fix, though, like this should be a first ballot on the commission's committee or or the the competition committee. It's like, well, we're not calling this foul. Well,
1: but it's difficult for me to 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 sit here and argue or argue for the idea that we need more defense. We need scoring to be dropped. And then uh for me to say, well, actually, I don't like this thing. So Uh I, I, I will I will understand if it does not change because we are looking at ways to affect the number of points that are going up. Um, But truthfully, I think where we are right now is is something that we've talked about maybe for the last two seasons on and off on this podcast, but we have reached maximum efficiency in offense. We have reached it. And this is not anyone's fault. This is the evolution of the game. We have brought analytics into this. We understand what spacing is. Look at what the Warriors did and watch now the whole league is what the Warriors were in 2015. We have maximized the spacing and efficiency of offenses in the NBA and we have handicapped defenses. So I'm not going to sit here and say as much as I hate the fucking rule that it has to go away because if there's going to make a change, this is already in the rule books. Just educate everyone on how to do it. I'm going to hate it, but maybe the points will drop.
0: I had a couple of different final thoughts today. One was going to be like an emo one. I don't want to do emo. I did emo a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold off. Yes. Okay. Uh, but we, you know, we got a lot of great responses from our all-star, uh, conversation right ways to change the all-star game a lot of people liked the activation idea your defense Mm -hmm. idea went went very well uh even our boy jeff crompton's like you know what i i would go to an activation that sounds like a fucking awesome weekend and then it got a little out of hand where people turned it into like oh dude they should do american gladiators just imagine like luca (laughs) firing the tennis balls at Trey Young's head. And and, and, they're, and I'm like, guys, guys, we can't let people get hurt, right? Like we're getting a little, a little over. And I understand the cooking stuff was a lot, but you guys, everybody understood the idea, right? Yeah. And it was fun to play around with that. But there was one suggestion that I really liked. And I saw it, uh, I don't know where I saw it or if it was suggested to me in the DMs or whatnot. But they're like, look, Still have the all star game, but there's only twelve all stars. They only allow 12 all stars. Total? It's 12 all stars versus the 12 snubs. Guys that don't make the all-star team. So 12 versus 12. And you don't think the guys that got snubbed would want to be be pissed
1: off because they didn't make the all-star team? You know, oh, if, but that's essentially them making it though.
0: You're not getting no well. No, obviously there'd have to be a different structure, right? Like you're not, you're not, it's not going to be on your resume as an all-star. You're a snub, right?
1: You're playing in the all-star game. Maybe you get some extra bread, but you put a 12 all-star. So say it's like, you know. That seems, that seems to me like a semantic change. It's like a wording change. And that does not do anything to change the competitive nature of the game.
0: Well, competitive pockets. You didn't make the all-star team. Like, so, okay. So Joel didn't make the all-star team, but Joel made the snub team. And he wants to show that shit. You know, I should be in Joker's spot. I liked the idea. I like it because some people still have pride, and it's like, okay, Jason Tatum made the All Star team, but Jalen Brown was a snub, right? And they, or you got the all, you know, you got you got Trey Young, you got James Harden on the all snub team, shit like that. I'm like, okay, I I kind of like that. I, I I like the idea. It, it was at least something that made me think about it.
1: Oh, no, it's an original idea. That's for sure. I've never heard of that before. I I fear that we're in the same exact spot with that, unfortunately. Like, oh, cool. The 12 guys that are 12 through 24 uh, are going to be denigrated. They're not making it. And then we're expecting them to compete. (laughs) But but, Drew, every year there's the All
0: Star picks, and then everybody will post their All Star snubs, right? Of course. These guys who got snubbed. Look, I would, I don't, it can be fucking anything besides what i saw two weeks ago okay mm-hmm. literally anything so i just thought that was interesting it made me think you're right there's probably some logistics and some wording that needed to be changed and maybe the bread obviously the bread's got to be different but i thought i thought it was interesting and uh maybe it's just another way for my boy james harden to get on, to get to play in the all-star game i don't <laughs> freaking know bro um uh, we're obviously going to be back next week. Hopefully the tides change for the Clippers or else your boy Clips is not going to be in a good, good space. Lakers are trending upwards. We're going to do definitely more NBA talk on the next show. We didn't mean for this one to be all Clippers Lakers, but damn, that was a crazy game last night.
1: Well, it was an ending of, it was an ending of an era, right? Where it's the end of us sharing uh, a home floor. So Uh, Yeah, thanks for everyone that stuck in that isn't a Clippers and Lakers fan and listened to this whole show. Hopefully we gave you something at the end for you to chuckle at.
0: Good riddance. We're going to get our own crib in a couple months. I'm looking forward to it. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. We're ghosts. You You know what it is.